Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 2. It's a story of the, the incarnation of the word of life and light and darkness, sin and, and forgiveness. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of God for the people of God. When I was a young Christian and I would look at this section of scripture, the place that, that we usually homed in on was verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And the version I memorized when I was a, was a kid said cleanse, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we see that action word there right at the beginning. If we confess, it's, it's that word, that idea of confessing that I want to center on today. The verse alone is clear. We have a logical construction. If this, then that. Back in the olden days when I did computer program, we did a lot of if-then statements. Some of y'all that have done computer programming, you might still do that every day. If this condition is satisfied, then this will happen. How do we satisfy the condition of confession? Well, at its root, what we do is we say the same thing as. 
We recognize our sin as sin. When we confess our sin, that's saying of our sin that it is our sin. It's not just bad luck. It's not just chemicals in our brain. It's not just what our parents did to us when they raised us. It's not just our environment. We're saying that our sin is our sin. We're also saying of our sin the same thing that God says of it. When God says our sin is destructive, we're saying of our sin, my When God says our sin is alienating, that it alienates us from God, that it alienates us from the people around us. When we confess our sin, we're saying of our sin, our sin has alienated us. It separated us from God and from the people around us. When God says the wages of sin is death, that the outcome of sin is death, we, when we confess our sin and say the same thing of our sin that God says of it, we say outcome, the result of our sin is death. When we confess our sin, we're, we're going away from the world that says you only live once. You only have one shot, so you might as well do it. We're going away from the world that says there are no boundaries. I can do what I want. I am a mature adult. I can decide for myself. You're not the boss of me. Now, if this is what we're doing when we confess our sins, it rules out an obvious strategy that we might try. That's what we might call confessing flippantly. Oh, yeah, God, I sinned this morning. Now you got to erase that, God. You got to forgive me because it says right there, if I confess, you'll forgive me. You got to do it, God. Yeah, I plan to do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day because it's lots of fun and I get a lot out of it. But, but I confess right now, so I'm good, God, right? But we see here the nature of confession is not just saying words. But because confessing our sin is saying the same thing of our sin, that God says of it, biblical confession entails repentance. Because our sin is what God says it is, we want to turn from it. We want to stop doing what we were doing. We want to stop thinking about things the way the world has trained us to think about things. We want to stop valuing things, wanting things, desiring things the way the world does. God wants us to change all of that. And through the transforming power of his spirit, that's what he wants to do in our confession. So if we confess, if we confess our sin, then what happens? Well, it says he forgives our sin. He cleanses us. He purifies us from how much unrighteousness? Did y'all catch that? All. All unrighteousness. How's that sound? Does that sound desirable? Maybe not just in general, but, but for you? Is that, is that something you would desire? Would you desire to be forgiven? Would you, be, would you desire to be cleansed, purified from all unrighteousness? 
Now, when it says this, it's talking about more than just heavenly bookkeeping. It's not like God has his book of our lives up there in heaven and has our name there and a little black mark for each time we sin. And that when we confess, gets out his, his, his spiritual eraser and erases it. There's more to it than that. It's better than that. Some of you may have heard the story of the prodigal son, a story Jesus tells in Luke 15. The story there starts off with a father that has two sons. And one son says, hey, dad, I'd really like to have my share of the inheritance now. And dad, for some reason, gives him his share of the inheritance. And so a younger son goes off to the far country and has a really good time with all that money. But then a famine comes and it's all gone. And when his money's all gone, his friends are all gone. And he's hungry. And he feels that hunger in the pit of his belly. He goes, we're looking for work. And he finally finds a job. A job feeding pigs. When he finally gets to the point where he looks at that pig food. And says, man, that looks tasty. That's when he recognizes that he needs to change. That he needs to repent. So it's, Jesus tells us there that, that he has this thought. My father's hired men, my father's employees, the people that work for him have it better than this. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to go to my dad and I'm going to give him a speech. And I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your employees. And I'll work for you. And I'll make everything right. The son was thinking in terms of, of that book with the black marks in it. But he has a problem. Because as he starts coming back, well, he's still a long way off, Jesus says. His father sees him and goes running toward him, grabs him and hugs him. The son starts his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. No longer worthy to be called your son. But before the son can get his proposed solution out, the father's already saying, get a robe, get a ring. Kill the fattened calf. My son is back. And now son has to figure out what, what he's going to do here. Is he going to say, no, dad, don't want any of that stuff. I just want you to mark out the black marks in your book. I want to be one of your employees. I want to work for you. Because you see what the father's offering here isn't work. It's relationship. He's offering reconciliation. The son has to figure out, what do I want? Do I want to work it off or do I want real forgiveness? Do I want the story of, of reconciliation to be my life? Having heard that, you might notice a part of 1 John 1, 9 that we haven't talked about, something we skipped. We skipped from if we confess... He'll forgive. What we skipped was, he is faithful and just. We get all this forgiveness and confession stuff wrong. 
if we think it's what we do, if we think it's just a system that God has set up and we put in the right inputs so we get the right outputs. Instead, what we see here, with this line, he is faithful and just. We see that it's God's character exhibited in Christ that makes the difference. That's what connects our confession of sin with another way that we as Christians confess. Our Christian confessions are sometimes, like in our hymnal, called affirmations of faith. They have some basic features. You, you notice today when we joined in the Apostles' Creed, we started off with, I believe. A couple of weeks ago, we used the Nicene Creed. Anybody remember how the Nicene Creed starts? It's, we believe. We go on to confess in those creeds, in those confessions, that God made us. We confess that God has remained involved and invested in us from the beginning. We see that God has been so involved, so invested in us, that he gave his only son for us. What are we doing when we confess these truths? Are we just spouting opinion? Hey, yeah, it's just sort of what we religious people happen to believe. Or is it wishful thinking? Yeah, I recognize the problem of my sin, the stuff I've done wrong, and it causes troubles. And I really wish there was a solution. Now, we're, we're not just confessing opinion. We're not just wishfully thinking. When we confess our faith together, we're interfacing with reality. We're confessing who God is. We're confessing what God has done. We're confessing what God is now up to. We're confessing who we are in light of what God has done. And what this confession gives us is a distinctly different world. A world in which brokenness and sin are real. But a broken world in which God has invaded that invasion, the, the gift of his son Jesus, cost him something. It wasn't just the inconvenience of the incarnation. And when you think back to Christmas, the incarnation sounds pretty inconvenient for the son of God, doesn't it? I mean, here he is for all eternity, ruling in heaven with the Father. And he comes down and becomes what? One of us. Vulnerable. And, and, and a baby gives all that up. That's mighty inconvenient. But there's more than inconvenience that's cost God here. We read and we confess in the Apostles' Creed, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. We confess in the Nicene Creed, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. Do you see that cost there? That cost to God because he loved us. But that suffering and death that we confess of Jesus was not the end of the story. We also confess in the Apostles' Creed, the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. In the Nicene Creed, we confess, on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of the Father. These confessions depict a world where because of Jesus and what he's done, sin and its effects don't get the last word. Sin's real, but it doesn't get the last word with us. Sin doesn't define us. Our confession of who God is and what he's done for us aligns our lives with his work in Christ. Our confession of our sin renounces all the things that take us away from God and his purposes. In chapter 1, verse 3, here in 1 John, we read, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This God in whom there is no darkness. He has shown himself to be the God who loves us and has given himself for us. Verse 4, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Did you see that there? We're recognizing who God is. We're recognizing that God is light. We're recognizing that, that God has done this for us. We're confessing what he has done for you, for each of us individually in Christ. But there's more. We're also confessing that we have fellowship with one another through our participation in this work of Christ. This confession brings me to life. This confession brings you to life. But even more, this confession brings us together to life as we walk in fellowship with him. Last week, we saw that through the work of Christ, we could come confidently into God's presence. That's what we're doing here as we confess together. We know where Jesus stands and. 1 John 2, 1, John says, I write this to you so you will not sin. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Just makes sense for a preacher to say, I write this to you so you won't sin. And we, knowing what sin is, say, yeah, it's a good idea to not sin. But he goes on, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So when we do sin, God doesn't look at us and say, ooh, yuck. God doesn't look at us and say, man, you're a miserable failure. Instead, in his son Jesus, God comes alongside us and loves us and lifts us up. But we see even more. Verse 2 of chapter 2. He is the atoning sacrifice not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. This life, this life that comes from stepping into the light and walking with him, fellowshipping with him and with each other, that's available for the whole world. So today, as we step into the light, we determine to live in a way that's defined by God's reality. We step into the light and experience the freedom and healing that comes from walking in the light. By doing it together, 
Those walls and those barriers that sin has built up between us are broken down. And we're able to shine that light into the world that walks in darkness. So they too can come to experience Jesus like we have. That comes from what we confess of who God is and what he's done for us. That comes when we confess our sin. Because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, to purify us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the life that you give us in Jesus. We thank you for the fellowship that we have with you and with each other as we walk in that light. Today, Lord, help us to step into that light, to step out of darkness to step out of a life defined by sin and brokenness and despair, but to step in the light because you are the light, light of the world. Amen.